0: Welcome back to Match Volume. We're your hosts, Emma Dessau and Sarah Brayman. This week, we are excited to dive into another conversation that comes straight from current events. As we've seen
1: COVID-19 disrupt so many aspects of our personal lives, it's also disrupted the economy
0: on a large scale. One of the reasons for this disruption is the delay to supply chains and the processes, facilities, and workers that companies rely on to produce products consumers buy every day. This was certainly noticed with the toilet paper crisis earlier this year, and there is currently a lot of talk about an upcoming meat shortage.
1: In this episode, I speak with USC Marshall School of Business professor Bala Subramanian about his experience working with global supply chains. Professor Subramanian is an electrical engineer who has spent his career in analytics, problem solving, and supply chains for companies like Hilton and Walmart. He
0: speaks with Emma about how supply chains affect our daily lives and how they are changing in the wake of COVID. With that, this is my interview with Professor Subramanian.
1: I wanted to just start off by asking you who you are and what you do and what you've done. By training,
2: I'm an electrical engineer and I got a business degree. Um, I got, uh, you know, the analytical uh, uh, abilities that comes from a training in engineering, but really I'm actually interested in problems that are kind of on the edge of uh, insanity in the sense that it's not easy to solve it through an equation because you're applying it to human situations and market situations that are sometimes illogical and there's a whole psychology that drives people and there's a whole psychology that drives markets. So models are only so good. And so you kind of need to apply a little bit of art a little bit of science and a kind of a curious cocktail of all of that. So that's kind of what I, I, I've, uh, I'm interested in and I've had a, the good fortune to practice that in three major industries over a career that spans three decades before I came to USC and I now teach here for the last four years or so. Um, I, it was in uh, hospitality, hotels, Uh, industry, uh, a little bit of time in the casino industry for about seven years with Harrah's gaming business, and then finally with retail and Walmart. So, um, but the common thread in all of that was analytics and the intersection of analytics with consumer psychology and market psychology. And I teach uh, at USC, I teach supply chain management, I teach uh, spreadsheet modeling and data analytics. I teach operations management. uh, So that's kind of what I do.
1: How are consumer behavior or just human behavior psychology, how is that related to analytics? How do you see that correlation?
2: Two things. Uh, I think that is a whole field that has evolved and I've seen it evolve in in the course of my career. I mean, initially it was all about how do I make, uh, how do I understand the market in terms of the large pockets that it makes up? Uh, So there are customers who are frugal and there are customers who like, uh, uh, they they are value sensitive, but they are, uh, they have more means and they're actually willing to pay more for getting exactly what they want. And there are, others that are seeking some different values like convenience or time-saving or whatever. So you can carve out the whole marketplace into three or four or five different buckets and you decide who you want to go after and you you kind of create your products for that mass market. Still, it's a subsect of the market, but it's a mass market still uh, made up of millions of consumers who are expected to be kind of alike in terms of their needs and expectations and consumption patterns. Um, And you do all of your product development and marketing catering to this particular segments that you are focused on. And you try and pick your battleground to best leverage your strengths and your unique value proposition. Now, nowadays, particularly with e-commerce and also a much more evolved and sophisticated developed economies, uh, these, kinds of segmentations are being driven to much, much more discrete levels and they are becoming, so that's the era of mass customization. Everybody wants it exactly how they want it. And so you're really trying trying to cater to segments of one. Uh, So, you know, all of this is about, uh, uh, you know, it's data driven, it's an uh, analytics. uh, you know, you are understanding behavior uh, both in terms of its actual uh, manifestation because you can count what people are doing, what are they buying, what are they putting in their basket, and what are they excluding from their basket. All of that is collected and uh, we know where, where they browse, where they buy. Uh, So we kind of know conversion rates, we know how long they take to make a decision, we know what kinds of, uh, what are the sorts of information that they rely on, so who are influencing them, all of those kinds of data about all of this. And so we can kind of analyze to see what is, the best way to influence customers? What is the best way to build loyalty? What is the best way to drive faster adoption of new products? What is the best way to keep customers entangled to your brand? For lots of things we need exact tolerances, you know, cancer drugs, you need things that are extremely safe. But for making decisions about uh, which customers to target, you just need some uh, information, some analysis that points you in the right direction.
1: Would you just give an overview of what supply chain management is in just, you know, a minute or two for people who might really not know what supply chain is and what it entails?
2: Okay, supply chain, uh, best way to think about it is the nervous system of the economy, nervous system of a company. You don't really see it, but it kind of makes everything work. And when something goes wrong, you can pretty well be 99% sure that something went wrong in the supply chain. So what exactly is a supply chain? It's everything that has to transpire from the point at which you are acquiring raw materials to who you get those raw materials from. To your manufacturing process, and how much do you manufacture, and where do you have your manufacturing facilities? And uh, there may be intermediate storage points of half-finished products. And then, so how you do, how do you ship things around to, uh, between your and across your different facilities to make sure that everything comes together in final assembly? And then, how does the customer find out about your product? Where do they get it? Do you deliver it to them, or is it? sold through retailers, I mean, all of those kinds of decisions. And then last but not least, you could have a reverse supply chain because customers might sometimes return the product. So it has to flow back in the opposite direction. So it is the flow of product from raw material to end consumer through all the stages involved in production and storage and distribution. It is the flow of funds Because obviously all of these different entities in that supply chain need to be paid. And if it is working right, everything is synchronized. And if it is synchronized perfectly, you can have cost savings. Otherwise you have lots of uh, dead inventory and waste involved in the supply chain. There are delays in supply chains. So time is a profit killer. Uh, waste is a profit killer. And so obviously supply chains are concerned with efficiency, supply chains are concerned with making sure that all the parts are working in concert. It's a team sport. And uh, how do you make sure that there's good collaboration, good information flow, good communication across the different parts of the puzzle. So that's, a, that's one part of the uh, story. The other part is you gotta have, recognize that sometimes even best laid plans, don't work out. And how do you make sure that your business can survive catastrophe or acts of God or, uh, you know, disruptions, large scale, scale disruptions? Because there are disruptions that often can happen. They don't have to be on the scale of a tsunami in Japan. They don't have to be on the scale of Katrina in New Orleans. They don't have to be on a, on a global scale of a pandemic. But there is always... Uh, disruptions that occur. So how do you plan for those kinds of disruptions?
1: How are we seeing supply chains really shift during COVID-19?
2: I think supply chains have gotten incredibly efficient. Supply chains have gotten incredibly global in the last decade uh, or two decades there has been less margin for error because there was really, I mean, for example, just take the example of protective equipment. Most all of that was outsourced to China. And uh, when it's a global pandemic, when China's got their own problems dealing with a pandemic and uh, the demand for protective equipment is going through the roof, they're gonna take care of their own needs first. So quite clearly, everybody else was kind of at the back end of the queue. One of the lessons from COVID is, you need to recognize what is critical for your business. And those things that are critical for your business, whether it's N95 masks, whether it is jet engines, whether it is a a particular ingredient that goes into smartphones, you wanna make sure that you have multiple sources. And those sources, if they are not in country, they are at least spread out in different parts of the world that might be subject to different conditions. So they're they're not all going to collapse at the same time. This is not teaching us new lessons. We knew this all along, but we never expected something to be this pervasive. We never expected something to be this draconian in terms of its impact. And if anything, the quest for efficiency sometimes sacrifices responsiveness you know risk is what is traded out when when you have incredible efficiency so you kind of have to find the right balance and that is something that companies are asking globalization there was already for the last three or four years some you know greater trade barriers being uh, enacted there was more. There was a move towards greater protectionism and nearshoring, uh, reverse uh, reshoring uh, uh, from outsourcing, uh, for example. Uh, those trends were already uh, happening. I think they will only accelerate, and particularly in certain sectors that are deemed critical for national security. And what is critical for national security has got a much more of an expansive definition now than it did three or four months ago.
1: It'll be interesting to see how companies shift their supply chain strategies but i think you make a really good point that the strategies aren't completely different than they were before but priorities might change
2: Um, and a related uh, example i can give you is food right we all need food and food was also being sourced from all kinds of places and we figured out a way to optimize those supply chains to where even though avocados are coming from uh, South America, uh, you can buy it for less than 70 cents and it's quite affordable throughout the year too. But if you have to be concerned about contamination, if you got to be concerned about uh, health safety uh, protocols and uh, uh, the longer things travel, the longer things stay in storage, the longer things, more things are handled, there is greater risk for food safety. I mean, there's already... Uh, worries about contamination in the meat supply chain and uh, p- production uh, challenges, and uh, how to maintain social distancing in, in meat plants. And, you know, I, I think there is, and, and if you have uh, on top of that sourcing of food products from different countries and faraway places, I think it's going to change significantly where we get our food from where we get our medicines from, where are we going to get our PPE from, at least, in addition to all the defense procurement.
1: I'm curious what, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs and people interested in business, what you'd recommend them to read or listen to to understand supply chain, and, and why is it important for people like that to have kind of a base, basic sense of what's going on in the world surrounding supply chains?
2: Um. I don't know what I would suggest you can read. Main thing is for people to be curious. Don't just take things at face value. Don't just say, well, you know, I go to my supermarket, I, when I run out of toothpaste and I know it's gonna be there. Think about how that toothpaste gets there. Think about all the things that need to come together to make that toothpaste happen. Think about all the different companies that might be involved. Businesses that might be involved. I think. I think uh, yeah, the more of a holistic picture that we develop for uh, of all the things that we buy and consume, and you don't have to do that for everything. Just do that in the areas that you're interested in. You know, do that in your own business that you're the company that you're uh, or the industry that you're diving into. Make sure you have a good understanding of how. Things get made.
1: That was my interview with Bala Subramanian. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode.
0: Join us next week for another impactful interview. Match Volume is a production of Annenberg Media by USC's Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism. I'm Sarah Bringman, And I'm Amadeo. Thanks for listening.